0: Welcome. Welcome to the Porch. I'm Richard Grand. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics, by examining the Word of God and especially the Book of Acts Church to see how the early church served the Lord. The Porch Online Bible Study takes a deeper look into their service to the kingdom of God because our desire is to find and restore the priesthood of the believer and regain the worldly world-shaking influence that the early church had. By digging deeper into Scripture, we find the church the Lord intended and not the one that man created, because the church age is not over. What happened in the upper room is as much for today as it was on the day of Pentecost. If you know that and you believe that there's more to your spiritual walk with Yeshua Mashiach, Jesus the Messiah, and you want more, then you're welcome to join us on this journey as we get back to basics. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, or write us directly at the porch, lowercase one word, at firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support what we do, and we hope that you will, on the main page of firefalltalkradio.com, there are ways to do so. If you need any more information, just reach out to us. We appreciate your support and encouragement. Welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms, from where I hope that you are subscribed and connecting with us on social media Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're also on YouTube under the Firefall Network, where a video was posted last week of the testimony I gave here on the porch. If you need prayer, You want to pray for others? Reach out to us and we'll connect with you and let you know what's needed or we'll get out the word about your needs. But thank you sincerely from my heart. Thank you to each and every one of you for being a part of the porch community. Father, you are an awesome Abba, Daddy, Papa. And there's none like you. For those of us that have come from broken homes or have uh, daddy issues, if you want to call it that, you have healed broken hearts. You've taken away the wounds. You've healed the scars because you've shown us the love of a real father. Thank you for that. Thank you for washing away our sins. Unfortunately, you had to do it in the blood of Yeshua, the blood of the unblemished lamb. But because of that, We can boldly approach the throne of grace and mercy, crying out, Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy. We can spend time with you. We can be around you without fear of rejection or anything. Lord, thank you for paying our price. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your guidance and your presence in our life. Can't even imagine the pain And what you endured on the cross. But we know that without that, we are not reconciled to the Father. And that you willfully did it. And there's no words that even thank you can compare to. But from our heart, we love you. We're glad, so glad that you're alive. That you're sitting at the right hand of the Father. interceding for us. And we get to sit with you in the heavenly places. Thank you for sending back your Holy Spirit, who we so sorely need in these dark, deceptive times. We need guidance. We need to understand this Word. We need to feel your presence. So right now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you envelop us, that you inhabit the praise that we have for the Father, that you just bring his glory down upon us and from the inside out. Bathe us, bathe us, bathe us in his presence because we need it. We ask that you bless and protect the technology. We take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Messiah, claiming the mind of Messiah, and casting down every vain imagination that would exalt itself above the knowledge of Elion, God Most High, our Abba Father. Holy Spirit, have your way. Do whatever it is you want to do this night. We want to hear We want to know, we want to be changed, and we want to do everything that you need us to do in these times. And we pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. Get those Bibles open. Going to be a lot of Scripture tonight. Romans 10.17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes from hearing what is told, and what is heard comes by the preaching of the message concerning Messiah. It's not a secular, worldly message, but the message concerning Messiah. Faith doesn't come from natural things. It comes from supernatural things, and that's what the Word is, and that's why Scripture, in pure, unadulterated form, without being watered down, without being changed, is so vital to us becoming who we need to be in these times. And that's why there's always a lot of scripture in what I do, because it's all based upon his word, not based upon my opinion. A newsletter went out for the porch this week. Hopefully you got it. If you're on the email list and you didn't get it, check your spam or your junk folder. And um, if you still don't have it, let me know and I'll resend it to you. But as I was working on it yesterday morning, early yesterday morning, I realized that this is what the Lord wanted me to talk about tonight. Psalm 32 verse 7 says, you "...are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance." We live with the hope that he is our hiding place and fortress. The early church, and especially the Old Testament believer in God, understood this concept better than we do. They lived during times of constant threats and dangers, and having a place to run to during those times is vital, was vital to the safety, well-being, and peace of mind, as it is for us. I guess we could call those safe rooms those storm cellars that we have today. A place that when the storm or the threat was barreling down on you, you could run to and lock yourself in. That's what the Lord is to those who believe in Him. We trust Him and place all of our hope on Him. And when things get really bad, we can run to him. And as I sat there early yesterday morning writing that, my hope was in his word. And that's where I began then, and that's going to begin today in his word. Psalm one nineteen, one fourteen: 114, you are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word seeking Him an infusion of hope during hopeless times. And everywhere it looks seems to be so dark and bleak that our only choice is to look up towards Him. Psalm 31, verse 24, Be of good courage, and He shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. So, and whatever you're going through this morning, that's when I wrote it yesterday, don't allow it to overwhelm you. He is the rock of our salvation and our deliverer. We can seek him and enter into the hiding place of his protective arms to find rest and relief. It's where I was then and it's where I am now. How about you? So as I wrote that and I sent out the the newsletter, and of course as I read it to you, I, I made some changes from the fact that I wrote it yesterday. It just kept coming up in me my hiding place. How desperately during these times of emotional, mental, spiritual, financial, whatever struggle we're going through, we need a hiding place. We need a place to go to where you can just say, world, leave me alone. Enemy, leave me alone. Stress and and fear and all the things trying to weigh, weigh me down, leave me alone. And that's who he is and what he is. And that's what his word is, Psalm 59, verses 16 and 17. But I will sing of your power. Yes, I will sing aloud of your mercy in the morning. For you have been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. To you, O my strength, I will sing praises. For God is my defense, my God of mercy. Many of these psalms was written by King David, and David understood perfectly because he was on the run from Saul and from other kings and other peoples that wanted to kill him. Began living life on the run, hiding in caves and in the wilderness, and the desert. Sometimes he had even fake insanity to be left alone. He was on the run from both friend and foe. Spies and constant betrayal around him, losing his home, his family, and the, at one point, even the support of his own soldiers. One of his choices caused the death of 85 priests in Nob when he asked for bread for him and his men in Goliath's sword. And King Saul found out about it and he killed them. And this went on for seven or eight years. David understood the need for a refuge, hiding place in the Hebrew, is And it's a noun, meaning a covering, a hiding place, a secret place. The Lord promises to be a hiding place for his people. His people, not for everyone. The other thing that's been on my mind, and I know this sounds harsh, but let's just be blunt. The Bible is a book for God's people, not for the world, though the world should read it and learn from it and want to believe in him, but he protects his people, not everyone. I I see people post stuff that is just so biblically inaccurate. The amount of deception and error coming from the supposed church is astounding to me. Open them up. Dust them off. Spend a little more time in the Word, and you'll realize His promises are not for everyone until they accept His Son. Psalm 31, starting verse 19, Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. You shall hide them in the secret place, the hiding place, the shelter of your presence from the plots of man. You shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has shown me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. For I said in my haste, I am cut off before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried out to you. Oh, love the Lord, all you saints, for the Lord preserves the faithful and repays the proud person. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. My hope is in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, not in this world, not in a world system. Unfortunately, the way things have been rigged and the way we have become entangled into this world and the cares of this world, you have to deal with the world system. I would love not to have to do that. I would love to have the the prayers that I prayed and Larry's prayed to be answered so that we can disentangle from the world and not have to seek any help or interaction from them. But instead of being overwhelmed by terror, the psalmist, David in this case, is surrounded by songs of victory. What songs do you sing? What a mighty God we serve. Um, There's so many different songs, especially the older praise and worship songs that I love singing, that I love playing, that I love going back to. david was confident both in god as well as being concerned in the natural about his situation it, we're human wait let me check ow yep i'm human the the fact is we can't escape being concerned about our situation but we have to immediately get into his word Find scriptures, find things that take you into the secret place. For me, the way I started yesterday morning, see the 4.30 or 5 o'clock, I began to read Psalm 91 out loud. And I also have it written out as a personal prayer. If you've read the book, The Supernatural Battle, it's in it. If you don't have it, would like it, let me know but I've personalized it. So what I do is I read it as it's written, then I read it over myself as a personal prayer. But David David offered prayers and praise just as we should do. James 5.13, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Psalms. But psalms can be songs. They so could do that too. Let him sing psalms. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. This is the Amplified. Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, every circumstance and situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific request known to God and the peace of God. That peace which reassures the heart that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands guard over your hearts and minds and Messiah, Yeshua, is yours. Romans twelve twelve, constantly rejoicing in hope because of our confidence in Messiah, steadfast and patient in distress, devoted to prayer, continually seeking wisdom, guidance, and strength. Whether it's the Old Testament, whether it's the New Testament, whether it's the Scriptures or the red letter basics, over and over and over, our hope is in the Lord. God is the hiding place, He's our refuge to those who need help. In Psalm 34, verses 1 through 6, David writes about the happiness of trusting in God, and during this period of time, he had pretended to be crazy, to be mad, before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he was able to depart in safety. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make his boast, and the Lord and the humble shall hear of it and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. David's going through a horrible time but he wants to magnify the Lord. He wants to sing to him. He wants to cry out to him. He wants others to join it. Let's exalt his name together. Come on, church. Let's exalt his name together. What has he done for you today? Your eyes open. Your heart's beating. Do you have a family that loves you? If you don't, we love you. The porch community loves you. What has he done for you today? Exalt him. Praise him, worship him, thank him. But understand that during those tough times, during the storms, during the trials, during the attacks, the word is there to help you. Psalm 61, verses 1 through 4. Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Nahum 1-7. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those who trust in him. Do you trust in him? Do you really trust him? You know, a lot of times I'll tell you, Lord, I trust you. It's me I'm not so sure about. And I said to you, I started with Psalm 91, which starts out with, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. And then it just began, a secret place, a hiding place, a covering, a shelter open to those who seek refuge in him. If you seek refuge in him, He will cover and he will hide you. In the shadow of the Almighty, the secret place of the Most High, under the defense and protection of Almighty God, your Heavenly Father, you will be safe. In the shadow of El Shaddai. That's what we're talking about here. So many different names of of our Heavenly Father in those first two verses. But one of them is El Shaddai. Mighty. God Almighty. Overpowering. Mighty. God who purposes to do and overwhelm all opposition. Shaddai also means sufficient. God is the all-sufficient one. So whether it's a... You claim it is mighty or as sufficient, I claim it is both, but it works because Almighty God is enough. He's more than enough. He's more than to sufficient to meet any need. He is the power and he is the provision. He's the thing that makes the sky blue and, and all the, the birds sing and the planets spin and the sun glow. And he's great in compassion. He sustains, he nourishes, and he protects me. He takes my weakness and gives me strength. He takes my confusion and he gives me insight. He takes all of my inadequacies and in his sufficiency, he uses that for great and powerful purposes. That that was the the purpose of me giving that testimony last week of what the Lord had done when we lost the twins as our first pregnancy and what it did to me and the, the path that sent me on and how I got to where I am today. He took what the enemy meant for bad and he used it for good. He took what could have been a horrible story and turned it into a great testimony. There are four things that God is to those in this secret place under the shadow of his wings. He's a refuge and a hiding place, a fortress, a place of protection, a God, a true and faithful, loving God, and a trusting place of security. And, you know, whenever I think about that, I know that he doesn't have wings or feathers. That's his angel's. But when they cover him and they cover the throne and I get up near close to him under the arm into his armpit really close and he's got his arms around me and the angels have their wings around him. I'm hidden. I'm hidden under the shadow of his wings. I'm hidden in a place that I know Satan and the fallen and their demonic offspring will not come. That's thought that Psalm 90 and 91, which are very similar, were written by Moses at the beginning of the 40 years in the wilderness, and the wanderings of which are subject to the fourth book of Psalms. See, the thing about whether it was David or Moses or whoever was writing the Psalms and, and all of the, the aspects of the Bible, they're from experiential perspective, experiential knowledge If you know me, I'm not a fan of eggheads. I really respect and enjoy and like people who speak from experience. And Psalm 91 was written to comfort the church in the wilderness while they went through their 40-year curse, their 40-year punishment for disobedience. And it was meant to assure the children of God, all ages, of his providence during their earthly pilgrimage, which was incredibly difficult and uncomfortable, and they struggled, and a lot of things happened that we who live in the Western world really don't understand. We really don't. We don't get up in the morning and worry What am I going to eat today? I got to go out and catch my food. I got to fish for it. I got to clean it. I got to cook it. No, we go to the refrigerator. We open a can. We open a cabinet. Our doors are locked. Our lights are on. The fans may be on, air conditioning on. We don't understand struggle. But I'm going to tell you right now, by the prophetic prophetic voice of God, we're going to. But even during that time, I'm not going to stress because I know that, that even more so then, Will be hidden and comforted and taken care of. El Elyon, God Most High, or God the Highest. You, you, I use that phrase a lot, El Elyon, God Most High, because that's who my daddy is. Hey, Satan, hey, fallen angels, Baal, Barith, Dagon, whoever you are, you know who my daddy is? Do you know whose blood marks me? When someone refers to God as the Most High, they're referring to Him as the Creator, the Ruler of heaven and earth, and His Majesty, because He created all things. He thought it, the Son spoke it, the Holy Spirit did it. He created all the angels, including the fallen ones. And I never hesitate to remind them of that. Hey, by the way, you're a created being i'm born again i have something inside of me you'll never have everything in heaven and on earth everything in the universe he created whoever lives under the shadow of el elion will remain in the shadow in the shelter of el elion will remain in the shadow of shaddai And I will say to Yahweh, to Jehovah, you are my makesh, my refuge, shelter, and my matsuda, my fortress, my stronghold, my Elohim, in whom I trust. Remind the enemy who you are. You are a child of the living God. And as a believer, you've been bought with the price. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Don't don't cower. Don't be afraid. Oh, we're going to get bruised up. We're going to take a shot every now and then. We may get tripped up. We may fall down, but we're going to get up. Because he is the strongest of the strong. Are there other gods? Yeah, I believe that those those gods that people worshiped are real, small g. But he also created them. Fallen angels, maybe firstborn of the Nephilim. What's inside of you is the spirit that created them. So you have the power of the creator over the power of the creation because he's all powerful, he's omnipotent, and he's all-sufficient. The I am who is with his people, master, creator, deliverer, savior, the entire universe is his and all that is in it. That's who's hiding you. That's whose refuge you have entered. That's whose strong tower you have walked into and settled down. The power of Psalm ninety-one, just those first two verses. It's been a long time since I've done an in-depth teaching on Psalm ninety-one. I might do another one real soon. And and you know I'm just. Throwing the names of God around, not to show off. Shelley Shelley taught that. That was one thing Pastor Shelley was good at. And and we would learn them, and we would know them, and I've I've had them in my prayer vocabulary for years. It's important, no doubt. There are books written about it, entire sermons and teaching. But the Lord taught us the most powerful name of all. Abba. Abba encompasses all of it. Your heavenly Father, your Father, unlike earthly Father, is all-sufficient. He'll protect you. He'll take care of you. He won't reject you. Psalm 17, verses 8 and 9. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings from the wicked who oppress me and from my deadly, deadly enemies who surround me. And you say, well, Richard, I don't have your life. I haven't created the enemies you have. I don't have any, any enemies around me. Really? Every time you leave your home, you're surrounded both in the natural and the supernatural of deadly enemies especially the supernatural. Never doubt that. Never be arrogant. Never be foolish. Never wander out without praying over yourselves and your family, over your pets and your possessions, putting them under your covering. If I know you and if you're a part of the porch community and I have your name, I pray for you by name every day. And if I don't know your name, I pray for the Lord to bless those that are part of the porch community. Because I know that we live in a fallen world. I know that there are things out there seeking to destroy you, seeking to devour you, to consume you, to tear you apart. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I walk fully clad in the armor of God. My sword is sharp and I'm ready to rock and roll if need be. But unlike... Most people that are cutting and slashing, it's self control, very much like the samurai with meekness and power. But make no mistake about it. If the enemy wants to get it on, he has made a serious mistake. Which is usually why they do sneak attacks and, and end around or come at me through someone else. Because the truth is, whether it's Satan all the way down to the list demon, none of them want a power on power confrontation. Psalm 36, verse 7. How precious is your loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. Right now it's really hot in the south. I don't know if it's hot where you are, but... In the south and most of of the east and in places in Arizona, which is the west. I guess it's hot everywhere. That's the end of that geography lesson. Um, It's just hot right now. And shadow is good. You need shadow. But it's hot spiritually. And I'm going to hide under the shadow of his wings. Be merciful to me. Oh, God, be merciful to me. For my soul trusts in you, and in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. Psalm 57, verse 1. See, the Lord said that in Matthew 23, 37, when he was entering Jerusalem, and, and he began to cry out, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets, and stones those who are sent to her. How often I've wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. No, the Jews wanted the protection of Rome. They wanted man-made protection. They wanted treaties and agreements. They didn't want to come under his wings, and they definitely want Messiah's wings. And the heartbreak that comes from that cry of him wanting to protect them, but they didn't want it. No, they wanted to kill him, and they did. Both Jew and Gentile killed him. But as the Most High God, he was the ruler over all those people, over all those things, and he allowed it to happen so that we could be reconciled to him. But never forget, as the Most High, as the Creator, he's also holy don't ever forget that. Don't ever take for granted your access to him in the throne room. Understand who he is and who you are. But because we trust in him, we can flee to him for refuge, a safe retreat, a place of healing and renewal, a stronghold from which we could even launch a counterattack. That's a refuge. Just because you're hiding, just because you're in his protection, doesn't mean you don't have the ability to counterattack in prayer. I think we need to do a little more of that. I think we need to understand true spiritual warfare. It's not about the drama and the show and all the things that many people think it's about. You can do it in the morning when you pray. You can begin to intercede, stand in the gap. You can begin to fight back with the word, hold that shield up, dressed in the armor of God. And if you're new at it and you don't understand it, there, there are plenty of teachings on the porch about it. But that's one of the things that's on my list to go back to, talking about warfare and, and the demonic and things like that. But you can't wage successful warfare if your life is out of order. I mean, let's just get real here. If your life is out of order, trying to engage in spiritual warfare is suicidal. The enemy's already in the camp; he already has access to you. And I've seen so many people do it. Let's go tear down strongholds. Let's confront the prince of this principality. Wait, wait, wait a second. Won't you and her in that car and? Weren't you? And if you were, I wouldn't go confront the enemy if I were you. If your life is out of order, you don't get in the enemy's face. So get. Let's get our act together individually. Then we can get our act together corporately. Psalm sixty-two, verses five through eight. My soul, wait patiently, silently. For God alone. Now, let me. Got to go back to that comment I just made. I'm not being judgmental. I'm not trying to bring down condemnation, which according to scripture means if I say to you, you're going to hell, that's condemnation, a judicial act of judgment. But if I say to you, stop doing what you're doing because it's going to give the enemy access to you and hurt you and hurt your family, that should be conviction, that should be correction. If your life is out of order, if your family is out of order, if your thoughts are out of order, if your choices are out of order, his order, then the enemy has legal access to you. You have stepped outside his covering. If we looked at the kingdom of God, as a walled-in fortress, and you've decided, you know what, I'm a little bored. I need to go party. I need to get out of here for a while. And you sneak out through the doors, you're fair game to the enemy. If you're going places you should not go, you're fair game to the enemy. That should just be common sense. That doesn't seem to be so common in the, the 30, what it'll be, 34, 35 years, 35, almost 35 years of ministry. I've seen how uncommon sense it is, how people don't understand. If the Bible says, don't do this, then don't do it. So you can say, I trust in God. You can say, I'm, I love him. But if you love him, he says, do what I say. And we, we all slip up, believe me. I put up my hand as if you could see me. We all slip up. But that's why you get to say, I'm sorry. If we confess our sins, he is right and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We get to say, oops, I screwed up, I messed up. Can't believe I did that, I'm sorry. Put it under the blood, wash it away. Take away the enemy's ability to gain access to you as quickly as possible. Because the longer that door is open, the enemy's just going to come in. He doesn't need an invitation. He's watching. He's waiting for that opening to slip in. But he's a refuge for us. My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my ref- refuge is in God. So Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Pour out your heart. He already knows what you're thinking. He already knows what you've done. There's a meme that's out there that says, Before God called you, he factored in your stupidity. Boy, is that so much of a relief that he knew I was going to mess up. He knew the big mistakes, the little mistakes, the errors, the presumptions, the confusion. He already knew it. But see, the Lord, even in his own speakings and teachings to the disciples, he's always referencing Scripture. Scripture is built on Scripture. Word is built on Word. Precept upon precept, line upon line. John 10, verses 28 and 29. And I will give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. Well, then how do they do that? How do they get on his? They, they wiggle out of his hand. They walk away. They wander away. But as long as you're not doing that and his hand is on you, the enemy cannot have access to you. Can I get an amen? Just write me and said, hey, I said Amen. As long as you're in his grip, as long as you're covered by him, as long as you're next to him, as long as you've submitted to him, the enemy cannot have access to you. He is a rock and a fortress, a place of strength and safety and protection, a high tower keeping us out of danger and harm's way. The Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible says Scripture uses the imagery of a fortress or a high tower to picture the confidence that believers can have in God's strength and protection. The prophets realized that the strength and defense of the nation lay not in fortifications of brick and stone, but in God. And they urged the people to put their trust in Him as a secure refuge. Oh, my Deliverer, my Fortress, my God, in whom I trust. That's what faith is. You know, when I do what I do, if you've seen the videos or you've been, been with us, if you're a part of SRT, then you know that there's no fear. There's no hesitation. Because I know who he is. I know the spirit inside of me and the power and what it does and the fact that I have the power of the creator over the creation. And if I'm there on assignment and I'm there by his decree, then it's a done deal. It's already over. The enemy has lost. Because I trust him. Do you trust him? Whatever's going on in your life right now, your marriage, your home, your job, your family, whatever it is, do you trust him? If you don't, if you say, I'm not sure, then here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about that. Maybe get out pen and paper, open your notes app on your iPhone or whatever you use and ask yourself this question, why don't I trust the Lord? And whatever answers come to mind, whatever he shares with you, put it down. Maybe you need to keep a journal. Maybe you need to keep notes to remind yourself when he gives you a revelation, when he shows you, hey, this may be an area to work on. You don't know enough of the word. You know, I've I've met people that have been saved for a very long time, that have worked in ministry, that have done Bible studies. And when I begin to talk to them, I realize how little they actually know about the Word of God. And I don't want to be rude, and and so I don't do it, but I want to ask, how are you teaching anybody anything? You're coming to me with questions of basic scripture and basic belief. You don't know where things are in the Bible, which tells me that your Bible doesn't get opened a whole lot. And the excuse of, well, I'm not good at remembering or whatever is nonsense. If the Holy Spirit's working in you and through you, he helps you remember. So maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you need to spend more time in the Word. Maybe you need to... I don't know. I'm just freestyling here. I'm just ranting and raving because I know what's coming, folks. I've seen it in dreams and visions. I've been... I've been allowed to see things, experience things that show me exactly what's coming. And if I did not have faith in the Lord and his spirit in me, I would be overwhelmed by fear. 2 Samuel 22, verses 31 through 33. As for God... His way is perfect. The word of the Lord, the word of Adonai, is proven. He is a shield to all those who trust in him. For who is God except the Lord, and who is the rock except our God? God is my strength and power, and he makes my way perfect. He makes your way perfect. Not you. It's his path that you walk on, not yours. And most of the time when we get in trouble, myself included, is when we've wandered off the path. When they think, you know what, that looks like a shortcut over there. Maybe that, scen- that scenery looks a little better. I don't- I'm getting a little bored with this scenery. That's when we mess up. When we make that decision without checking with him. And boy, I've made some doozies. Good decisions that weren't God decisions. And I've paid for it with the mess that they create, the Ishmael's of his permissive will instead of the Isaacs of his perfect will. Proverbs 10.29, the way of the Lord is strength for the upright, but destruction will come to the workers of iniquity. Folks, don't get stressed out when you watch the news, politics, entertainment, media, all the degrading disgusting demonic things you seek to see don't seek them but if you see them don't don't get distressed by it judgment is coming but until then salvation and grace and mercy is available but the workers of iniquity the workers of sin the people in the, of the kingdom of darkness if they don't repent if they don't become born again and make him lord of their life have a very dark day ahead of them Psalm 18:2 the lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer my god my strength in whom i will trust my shield and the horn of my salvation my stronghold i know that i know that i know that i know that in those days ahead these scriptures those words knowing who he is, knowing his name, having his spirit inside of me, his name on my lips, I will be strong and I will trust and my shield will be ready and the horn of my salvation and my stronghold will be my God. My God in whom I trust, El. That's what God is, El. Whenever you see El should die, the El is God. When you see an angel like Michael, which really should be pronounced Michael of God, Gavrael of God, Raphael of God. He's the God that knows all, sees all, and performs all for His people. He is omnipotent, almighty, and strong. I like bragging on my daddy. I really do. I grew up in a time in a mentality of an Italian family that family was very important, and you needed to be proud of your your father. If you had an older brother, which I didn't, but I had cousins and uncles, a cousin that was older, and uncles, I was proud of them, and I would brag on them, especially if I knew that they could protect me. But I've got the best protector of all now, His way is perfect, and the word is proven, and the shield is available to all who trust him. But you, O Lord, are, my, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head, Psalm three three. I quote that one a lot. I pray that. I pray that over my family. I pray that over my home. I pray that over my protection. O Lord, you are a shield about me, the glory and the lifter of my head. Speak the word over you. Speak the word over your situation. Speak the word into your lives. Stop cursing yourself. Stop beating yourself up and beating yourself down. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of Almighty God. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he uphold. For those who walk uprightly, Psalm eighty four eleven. That walking uprightly is being righteous before him, living your life according to the word, not one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, committing totally to the kingdom of God. Ephesians six sixteen ties into this one. It says in the arm with about the armor, above all taking what? The shield of faith, with which you will quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. The shield of faith. My faith is in the Lord. My faith is in the maker of heaven and earth. You see this shield, Hasatan? This is going to block everything you fire my way. Because I believe in him. I belong to him. His authority has been delegated to me through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And I've got access to the power of the throne room. I've got access to the power that created you. I've got access to the fire that fell, fell on Mount Carmel and fell in the upper room in Jerusalem. Magnify the Lord with me. That's what I'm doing as I speak these things out loud. I don't know about you, but I'm getting jacked up. I'm getting magnified. I'm feeling it. Because I know Acts 14 22 says we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. We are not in for a cake walk. There's going to be no cake on this walk. The cake will be at the banquet, and I'm sure it'll be really good. And probably have a lot of fruit and strawberries and pomegranates and honey and things like that. I just made myself hungry, but for now there's no cake walk. Romans eight seventeen if the children, if we, if children then heirs heirs of God and joint heirs with Messiah if indeed we suffer with Him then we will also be glorified together. Second Timothy two twelve if we endure, we shall also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will also deny us. Second Timothy three twelve yes and all who desire to live godly in Messiah Yeshua will suffer persecution. So then why are we so surprised when the world attacks us, when the enemy attacks us, when I'm just, say, the church gets so frustrated and they begin to whine and complain, this is not our home, and Satan has is the god of this world, and we're going to suffer persecution. We've had it too easy for too long. But there will come a day, according to Joel 3:16, that the Lord also will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and earth will shake, but the Lord will be a shelter for his people and the strength of the children of Israel. The Lord's voice, like that of a lion, will roar from Zion, shaking heaven and earth and terrifying sinners and those overconfident in the kingdom of darkness, because the lion of the tribe of Judah will roar. But that same ferocious lion is a refuge for his people, because the Lord himself will personally lead the armies of heaven against those of the Antichrist. The word tells me that word tells me in Jude 14 and 15. Now Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about these men also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they've committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. But we as his children have nothing to fear. His children have nothing to fear. He will cover them. And he he will protect them. And I believe by that time, by Joel 3.16, by what Jude is talking about, he's already come and taken his church, taken his people, taken those who believe in him into hiding, witness protection, you might want to call it, since we've been witnesses to him. And while we're in hiding, while the church is in hiding, they'll be feasting and joy until the moment comes, he says, let's go. So what do you do till then? You trust in him. You seek him. You seek the shelter of his wings. Stop seeking the world. Stop looking for the world. The world doesn't like you. The systems of the world don't like you. But we have his everlasting love. Romans eight thirty one and 32 tells me, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Jumping down to verse 38 and 39. For I am persuaded, and so should you be, that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. Father, touch your children. Holy Spirit, from the inside out, touch them. Bring the glory down upon them. Envelop them. Heal them and deliver them. Protect them. Pull them into the hiding. Maybe they're too tired, Lord. Maybe they've been running for so long. They, they just can't make it. They're almost there. Go pull them in. Get an angel to take them in. Cover them. Cover us. We need you. We're desperate for you. We're desperate for more of you right now. We need more. More love, more power, more understanding, more word. We need to be like you. Strip us clean of what's us and let us shine. Let us go. Let us run. Let us rise up. Let us love. Let us heal, let us deliver, let us be like you, and let's do it from your hiding place. I pray all these things in Yeshua's name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord, may Adonai, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord, Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.